electronic specifier. Okay, fantastic. So, hi guys, and welcome back to Electronic Specify Insights. And today I am joined by Jack and Lucas. Jack is from Wireless Logic. He's the business development manager, and Lucas is the CEO of DroneTag. So, hi both. Thanks very much for joining us. I think it's probably a good idea if we start with just a brief introduction of who you are. So, Jack, would you like to start us off with just telling us a little bit about yourself? Hi, guys. Um, so my name is Jack Drinkwater. I am a business development manager here at Wireless Logic. I've been with the company for one year now. Previously, I worked uh, within the unmanned traffic management space. So really, really relevant to, to today's discussion. So, yeah, looking at uh, driving how the drone industry can adopt cellular connectivity and working with, with Lucas on, uh, on a project. Fantastic. And sticking with you for a minute then, Jack, tell us a little bit more about Wireless Logic as a company. Sure. So ultimately, Wireless Logic, we're a, a specialist IoT connectivity provider. I've been running for over just about 23 years now, so founded around 2000s. Historically, I've been sort of reselling and working with the, the mobile network operators directly. And it was sort of within the last five years, we've, we've been moving away from that, that sort of reseller model of working with the MNOs and reselling their data. But now to develop our own mobile network core called Connector, which we'll, we'll dive into a bit more later downstream. But ultimately, it's providing connectivity solutions to machine-based applications across multiple different verticals. And the drone industry is, is one of my verticals uh, specifically, as well as sort of the connectivity solutions. We also provide sort of value-added services around that as well. So things like a management platform, for our customers to be able to manage, control their SIM estate, especially when sort of deploying on a global scale, as well as things like uh, VPN services uh, for, for sort of rem remote access into to devices and things like that. Fantastic. Thank you very much for the intro. And uh, Lucas, over to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Lucas Brchel, but you don't have to pronounce my surname. And I'm the CEO and also co-founder of startup DroneTech. We are based in Czech Republic and we started our mission four years ago. During that time, I was still studying my master's degree at Czech Technical University. So kind of jumped from the university directly into building our own startup. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit more about DroneTag briefly. What, what was the company's mission? So uh, during the first idea we had, the main mission still persists and it's to coordinate the drones in low level airspace. And that time when we started, we really had no idea how to do that, but uh, I was drone pilot myself and I was doing commercial professional operations. And I was sometimes struggling that uh, when I was uh, on the location flying, I wasn't able to inform, for example, the security guards when I'm flying and when I'm grounded. This made the operations much more trouble, troublesome. So we had this idea to streamline the commercial operations. And we did that by introducing IoT device with the cellular connectivity and also a software platform for follow-up features. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for the introduction, both. And as I'm sure you've guessed, we're going to be talking about the drone industry today, as well as sort of the legislation that has just come into effect. But before we sort of deep dive into that, perhaps you could tell us 
how the drone industry has evolved over the last couple of years. You know, it's a market that's forecast to grow by $27.78 billion, you know, during the period of, of 2022 to 27. So I was starting with the drones where they were simply either military grade drones dropping bombs or doing surveillance. And the second uh, use case was using them as a toys. So that was like 2012. And now fast forward 10, 11 years, we see drones not only as a toys or military grade equipment, they turned into sophisticated machines that can help us to do agriculture more efficiently and even in a sustainable way. We see drones doing deliveries and not only kind of uh, regular stuff, but uh, medicine, medical materials, etc. We also see advancements of, of uh, any kind of construction jobs, etc. And even though the military segment will still be the greatest one within two years, the, the enterprise segment of drones will, uh, will pass this military segment and it will worldwide become the one that generates the most revenue. So even though we do have kind of drones that are doing uh, those defense and surveillance operations, drones that will be doing the industrial and professional missions for companies, for common, uh, ordinary people, will be the ones we will see the most. Definitely. Fantastic. And Jack, have you got anything to add to that? Yeah, so I think with, with sort of my previous experience uh, within the drone industry over sort of the last three, four years, there's a really interesting article that, that got published and it's, it's by Drone Industry Insights. And you can just see from the trends and, and the, the publication when it was released back in, I think the, the last, one before last was 2019. And it's a market map and it just shows sort of the division of all of the different segments of the industry from drone manufacturers to operators to remote ID vendors and, and so on. And the, the scale and the, the, the growth of how many companies there were on that market map back in 2019 to then the one that was published last year you can really see the the increase of, of new companies that are that are entering into the space and it's really exciting to see and it does it just demonstrates that there, there really is some some serious growth here across all different markets as well whether that is as uh, Lucas sort of alluded to whether it's delivery inspection all areas of, of enterprise drone operations. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've certainly both highlighted the the wide array of applications that, you know, drones are targeting. But what would you say is the most exciting application that this technology has enabled? So for me, it would be any kind of help and assistance during search and rescue operations. And it's not only applicable to drones, but I think it's applicable to robotics in general. So every time the firefighters or police don't have to risk their lives, I'm happy to contribute to, to this world. And this is not only about kind of risking the life or during the operation, but again, the surveillance factor during the search and rescue operations where you can search huge area within basically a few hours and find possible victims, uh, lost people or whatsoever. This is really something where I see the drones contribute to better living when we are able to utilize them in those kind of sophisticated tools that can help us to save lives. Yeah, definitely. And, and Jack, what about you? What applications do you think are the most exciting? 
So I think I definitely agree with with Lucas there, and I think that it does have a, a massive positive societal uh, impact around sort of public safety. I think one of the other the ones for me really is delivery. I was lucky enough to to experience and go to Rwanda back in 2020 for the Africa Drone Forum and see the the zip line set up. So zip line are a drone operator and manufacturer that, that have their own operations in delivering uh, medical supplies. And they've done a lot of sort of testing and operations in lesser developed continents and areas of the world. So seeing them, them guys sort of operating and delivering medical supplies where they don't have the sort of the established road and rail infrastructure and, and getting these important supplies to, to people in need. That was really a, a sort of a pivotal moment, sort of especially for me personally, seeing it firsthand. So that, that was uh, really quite something. Yeah, fantastic. Some great application examples there. Okay, so moving on to to the legislation side then, two years ago, regulations were introduced that require drones flying in cities, particularly near airports, to broadcast their position and maintain visibility for safety and security reasons. So tell us a little bit more about what this regulation actually means. You know, what, what are the details? What's involved? So the regulation is something that has been launched in 2019, mainly for the European Union, but other countries such as UK and Switzerland are also involved and they are kind of adopting this approach. And the the main reason for uh, regulations coming into the place was remove the anonymous factor of uh, flying the drone because until then anyone was able to go to the retail store and purchase a drone and do whatever whatever they want with it they had basically no responsibility if the drone fell somewhere it would be it wouldn't be easy to recognize who was the pilot and this was something that not only kind of european union tried to improve but it's happening worldwide and in particular for the eu there was a new rule, as you mentioned, it come into the force 2021. And the first step of the rule was uh, the pilot registration. So at that time, the rule coming into the place, every drone pilot that either flies 250 grand drone plus, or if it camera sensor must register at the local civil aviation authority, and they obtain some kind of US operator ID license plate, similar to the car license plate concept. And this registration number they have to put onto the drone. So if the drone falls down somewhere, someone is able to pick it up and see, okay, this is the registration number. I bring it to the police. They bring it to the civil aviation authority and they in the end find the guy. But as you might see, this is not the ideal approach because so once there is disaster happening, it's already late. So that's another step of the regulation that is now coming into the force. And it's the concept you mentioned called remote identification of drones. And the process is still the same. You still register at the Civil Aviation Authority, but the difference is that the registration number you obtain you upload it to your drone or any kind of transponder-like device for drones. And this registration number is then broadcasted, including position and other important data during the flight. So this clears up the usage of the airspace. It brings more transparency, even 
general public can have some uh, free public available application and see the drones around them, which of course helps them to believe that they are not kind of misusing the drones to spy them or whatsoever. But the most important aspect, and that's where we are finally getting uh, traction as a company, is that the remote identification allows to coordinate multiple aircraft in the same airspace. So whenever you are doing the industrial operations or whenever you are just flying as a or flying as a hobby pilot, you are able to see whether someone else is close to you, if it is a manned aircraft or if it is another drone, and you can take actions when they when they are close to you. Fantastic. And why were these regulations brought into place then? I mean, I remember reading on the news a load of stories about drones flying too close to airports and obviously how, how dangerous it was. Is it is it because of instances like that that these regulations were brought into place? Yeah, as it becomes a kind of mass things for general public, yeah, the number of drones were growing exponentially during, let's say, 2015 to 2020. We do have millions of drones sold worldwide. And you always find a people that kind of misuse the misuse the drones to harm others or whatsoever, or they simply don't respect the rules and they fly close to the airports. And until then, there wasn't much means of process how to catch the pilot during that action and how to make him accountable for such threats. Because uh, we all remember the Gatwick case. That was one of the main famous one in the in the Europe. But this kind of still repeats. Two weeks ago, it was a Dublin airport or whatsoever. A month before, it was in in Canada, etc. So those kind of scenarios, irresponsible people flying close to the airport or close to the nu- nuclear plant, close to the embassies or whatsoever, it's still there. So the market and the regulators must find a way how to make those people accountable and how to force drone manufacturers to make it easier for the for the police or, or judges. So as sort of similar regulations are planned for other, you know, geographical regions, reliable methods of drone identification are becoming critical, as you mentioned. But but what challenges is this giving drone operators, manufacturers and, and connectivity providers in particular? So in terms of the coordination of drones reliably and that you can have the more aircraft in the same airspace, there is just a one approach of the remote ID and it's over the cellular network. And for a cellular network, you need to have a connectivity. And this gets quite easy once you are on the ground, uh, but once you are in the airspace, you not only get technical issues such as interference because the mobile networks are mainly mainly be uh, meant to be used by the people on the ground, but you also run into the issues that people are expecting as most lightweight solution equipping to their aircraft as possible, which brings us to kind of technology selection. And on our end, we decided to make the device as small as possible to go with so-called IoT cellular networks, which brings us to the topic that those kind of IoT cellular networks are quite new. They are still emerging. And that kind of brings technical challenges, for example, 
having one device that you can ship not worldwide, but just around the Europe. And this is the place where Jack will, uh, Jack will, take, the, will take the speech because this, this is something we are trying to solve for, for years. We have been able to create the technical solution and to create very small, tiny device that's, that's able to put on the drone. But uh, the connectivity itself, it's a really challenging to have it all, all worldwide. Yeah, so you, you covered it pretty well there, Lucas. And I guess that's one of the conversations that we've been having over the, the last few months. But that there are some, some really big challenges around deploying cellular connected devices at global scale, specifically when we're talking about low power technologies such as NB-IoT and LTEM, which... If you don't know, they, they are the technologies that will be sort of stepping in for 2G once uh, the networks do eventually start to sunset the, the 2G networks. So the, I guess the main challenges really are from, from the, the OEMs, the, the guys that are actually manufacturing the devices, such as Lucas. Now, it, there's always a, a challenge of do, do we build the connectivity into the device or do we deploy the device and let our customers go and buy their own SIM cards. Now, the, the challenge with this is if, if there is an unreliable connection or, or the end user is not using the appropriate SIM card for that application, it could then reflect badly on the device with such a application as this, where there is a risk associated to, to flying a drone. You can't really have inadequate connectivity. So it's really important for, for us to be able to provide a solution that's not only reliable, but that's also scalable and that enables Lucas to deploy his solutions anywhere uh, across the world, whether it's across Europe, into the Americas or anywhere else for that matter. But the way in which networks are actually rolling out these new technologies, so the NB-IoT and LTEM, each country has a different approach. Some countries will roll out LTEM, some countries will roll out NBIOT. So that then presents a challenge to, to Lucas. So he then needs to find a SIM card that can actually connect both types of technologies within a single SIM solution. So this is what we've done and we've worked on together and developed a, a multi-IMSI SIM card, which is a single SIM solution with multiple IMSIs within it that enables that connection onto to both those types of technologies. And I guess with the, the challenge on the, the, on the operator side, um, is, as I sort of alluded to, is those, those sort of end customers of, of Lucas and those operators that are, that are going out buying Lucas's product. And then if he was to then, or he or she was to then go and, you know, purchase a SIM card, one, it, it could potentially not work. But if that customer then wanted to operate a drone in multiple different countries, they then need to keep changing their SIM card for every country they go to. So again, that's another sort of, issue for them so by lucas wrapping up the connectivity as part of the end solution it takes away that burden from the operators it gives them a, an out-of-the-box solution uh, and solves their, their connectivity problems fantastic and and tell me then how did you how did you guys come together you know what is it that wireless logic and, and drone tag have been working on all this time so it's uh, already two years ago where we quickly figured out that uh, we cannot do the way the Jack mentioned earlier to either manage the connectivity in every country separately 
or having the end customer manage the connectivity because it, this always brings some troubles and we really wanted to sell it as an out-of-the-box solution. So at that time, we received recommendation for our company that Wireless Logic acquired. We initially started working with them on, on the connectivity package, and now we fully transfer to, to Wireless Logic. Fantastic. And can one of you tell or just sort of summarize the technology that's involved within your remote ID device, you know, in particular, the, the connectivity solutions that you are offering? Sure. So I, I sort of alluded to it. It's a, it's a multi-MZ SIM card. So it's, a, it's effectively a single SIM SKU to provide connectivity across multiple different territories and continents across the world. It's effectively an eSIM. So eSIM is a, a new technology that's coming to market. So it's, it sits on our, our core network mentioned earlier. So it's Connexa. It's, uh, as I said, a, a multi-MZ solution that enables a, a global deployment fully works across both technologies, LTEM and NBIT. And I would like to just add that uh, since we are using the solution on our drones, we are kind of unable to go with the classic plastic nano SIM cards that you uh, that you insert in, in, into your smartphones because those kind of don't hold up tightly when the drone is making the vibrations and all that kind of stuff. So. In our solution, we are going with a chip SIM, which is basically electronic component that is soldered on the main board. So during the manufacturing process, we already have to decide on the on the chip SIM we place there, and it's there basically forever. So you cannot easily switch those chip SIMs. So once the manufactured batch comes to us, it's already ready to send the customer. He doesn't have to insert anything. We doesn't have to insert anything, but we are kind of limited by the SIM that's there. That's why we are always finding a partner uh, with, the, with, with the greatest coverage. So for multiple regions, let's say if we would be serving Europe and the US, which are, are now main territories, we don't really want to uh, manage to to separate SIM cards because that's uh, that's hassle that you don't want to deal with. Just adding to, to Lucas's point there around sort of the once the, the the SIM card is soldered into his PCB board, if for example later down the line in three or four years time, uh, Lucas wished to or, or had it onboarded a customer and it needed a a new profile on that SIM card. This is where eSIM comes in. So eSIM, and one of the capabilities that comes along with eSIM is the remote profile switching and and SIM provisioning. So we're then able to to remotely change that that profile on that SIM card without having to physically go and remove a a soldered chip SIM out of a a device and and then swap it out for for another SIM with a different profile. So that can all be managed uh, remotely um, with wireless logic. Fantastic, fantastic. And and as the number of, of drones being deployed in our skies grows then, how can we ever truly expect to be effectively able to manage the traffic and ensure that each drone is compliant with the regulation? You know, is remote ID enough? So with a big number of drones being employed also uh, comes with a big responsibility. And that's not only for the operators themselves, it's also for the regulatory makers. 
and also any people being involved in their operations. So the technologies there are always faster than the rulemaking. And this is, this is something that applies to all fields. And the same was during the, during the drone exponential growth. Now we see kind of low down in the, in the technology process of drones. And we rather see a development of the operation. So more and more scenarios can be optimized by using the drones. But we kind of hit the limit, which means that for most of the operations, if you are using uh, one drone, one drone, single drone, it, they take much longer than uh, if you would be using multiple of drones. So if you would be using five drones for mapping of agriculture field, you could say uh, you could have it uh, five times faster. But before we take this leap, the remote ID must be there. So that's kind of a first building block of getting the industrial operations uh, streamlined, optimized and more efficient. And the second thing is uh, putting some kind of unmanned traffic management systems in place, which includes systems such as detect detect and avoid. So not only having the data, let's say digitally from the transponders, but also having some other sensors such as cameras or um, I don't know, microphones to have the situational awareness of drones that are, for example, not being tracked by the remote ID, but are still there or have remote ID fault on board or, or whatsoever. So I do really see the remote ID as a first building block before we go further. And I would be very happy if in the future we are able to employ multiple drones in the same airspace so they don't endanger each other and thus the, the general public below them. Yeah, definitely. And, and speaking of the future then, you know, I'm interested to hear how you both see the, the drone market evolving in the next couple of years and, and in turn, how do you see the traffic management technology developing? So as for the near future, everyone in the drone field is now speaking about beyond visual line of sight operation, BVLOS operation. And that's where the drones uh, start becoming successful and useful because once you are kind of limited to just visual line of sight, you are flying your drone up to, let's say, one kilometer. But once you are doing the BVLOS operation, that's the, that's the state where you are, you can do, uh, you can do large scale operations such as the deliveries, where you can do the inspections, you can do power line inspection over tens of kilometers without kind of moving from the, from the original location. And those kind of visual line of sight technologies and operations are heavily supported by the deployment of any kind of 5G cellular technologies, but also having uh, accessible satellite uh, communication, internet also plays a role because uh, now we are in the Europe and we are kind of lucky that there's cellular coverage almost everywhere. But once you are, for example, in the UK or Ireland and want to uh, fly between islands or whatsoever, then yeah, you don't really go with the cellular, you need something better. And until then, this was quite complex topic. So I would say nowadays we do have the technologies. They are being rolled out in months quite fast. 
but uh, again we need to have uh, new regulations to support those advanced operations they are getting there but they will be always slower than uh, than rollout of the technologies yeah yeah definitely and jack what about your thoughts on the sort of the future of the market so uh, i think lucas has covered that pretty well my view is there has to be collaboration between the regulators in developing the regulatory framework there has to be collaboration between the likes of the online traffic management platforms and the sensor vendors, very much like Lucas. So being able to integrate the remote ID devices with the online traffic management platforms that will be used to oversee large areas of airspace by the air navigation service providers as well. So they can actually pull in and have a, a single point of truth and understanding of what's going on in the airspace whether that's just drones, whether that's, you know, general aviation, whether that's, you know, other manned aircraft, paragliders and so on, but pulling together all of those data points uh, into to that single point of truth to be able to enable, as Lucas said, those beyond visual line of sight operations, because I think it's only at the point where you have, you know, a harmonized picture of the sky that, that, that we can actually get to that point of beyond visual line of sight safely and as Lucas said, that's where the real value for drones comes in, but also makes it uh, economical. And if you're having a single operator that's managing, say, 10 drones at a, at a single time to carry out a power line inspection um, and things like that, that's where it holds the, the real value. And so that that's sort of, yeah, my, my view on, on the way that the industry is going to evolve and, and grow. I think it's just a matter of time, but it, it, it will take some time. And it, it has, I have seen the development even sort of since the, in the last four years, especially with the, the emergence of, of remote ID and, and the great work that the drone tag are doing. So, yeah, it's, it's a really exciting time for the industry. Yeah, certainly. It's certainly a very exciting space to be working in. So thank you both very much for your insights. But before we wrap up, is there anything else that either of you would like to add to the conversation? Maybe uh, one uh, few sentences to the end. We are a drone pilot. Apply your drone responsibility. Don't go close to the Gatwick and always use common sense. And on the other hand, if you are just observer and you see drone flying around, don't panic. The drone is there probably not because of you. It has a better job to do than uh, spying you. So if we also collaborate together in this way, you can see the industry grow and evolve in in much streamlined way. Fantastic. Well, Jack, Lucas, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you both. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for, for having us on. Electronic Specifier.